That's not just the sound of that first sip of Morning Joe. It's the sound of someone shopping for a car on Carvana from the comfort of home. That's a good blend. It's time to take it easy, like answering some easy questions to get pre-qualified for a car in minutes. Talk about starting the morning right. Just like customizing your terms so your car fits your budget. Mm, mm, mm. Visit Carvana.com or download the app to experience car shopping the way it should be. Convenient. Comfortable. Ah. One hundred sixty-seven days in space, over thirty-eight hours performing spacewalks, traveling more than six million miles, making hundreds of orbits about the Earth. But how did I get there? This is the making of an ordinary spaceman. I'm Clayton C. Anderson, and these are my stories. For all my podcast listeners out there, uh, we've talked a lot in some of our episodes about what it takes to build uh, an astronaut, specifically this Nebrastronaut, me, and that space exploration is indeed the ultimate team sport. And this podcast podcast episode is exciting for me because uh, it's all about family, and I'm welcoming to the podcast table today my beautiful sister Lori Anderson Hartzell. Hi. And my ancient <laughs> uncle Jim Anderson. <laughs> Hello. <laughs> <laughs> and the way I want to t- uh, tackle this today for you two is I want to go back in time a little bit, uh, but I want to start with your trips to the Kennedy Space Center, uh, specifically the trip in 2007 when I would launch for the very first time on Atlantis with the crew of STS-117. So I'll start with you, sis. And, and what I want you to think about or talk to the listeners about is your experience, what you, what you were thinking, what you were feeling uh, days before or even months before, if there are things that you want to relate to us, but as you moved closer and closer to launch and then were there for launch, what was what was it like? I remember that it was crazy because the times changed. And we were planning for one launch, and then the dates got moved, and we had to plan for a different one. And so there was a lot of um, behind-the-scenes stuff I had to do that I didn't know how to do. I'd never done before. Um, All the connections to the events and the air flight, and we brought all of our family and mom along. And so there was just a lot of coordination. And so it was pretty crazy. It went pretty fast when it finally started to happen. And it was exciting to know what we were doing, but it was scary at the same time because we'd never done it before. Well, and what what Lori's referring to is I was originally assigned to STS-118, which was going to launch in August of 2007, but mm-hmm. there were issues with the 117 launch that was supposed to happen prior to that, and hail had hit their external tank, and the shuttle got taken back to the vehicle assembly building, and long story short, there was a worry that Sonny Williams, the astronaut I was going to replace on station, might be up in space for too long. So they moved me from the August launch on STS-118 to the June launch, 
of STS-117. So that's the scenario that we were dealing with, me as a crew member and my sister and everyone else as family. So go ahead, continue. So once we got going and headed to the um, event, it was just, everything was a blur because it was all new. We didn't... It was for me too. We didn't, you know, it was it was fun. It was exciting, but it was... And it, I don't know, it's just hard to describe. We just went through it because we were there and we enjoyed it, but we were also a little nervous. You were launching on a pretty big thing, and um, but it was pretty cool because it was going to be on our dad's birthday. That's and that true. was a very special part of the whole trip was knowing that um, all, the, all of the event planning and everything that went into it culminated with um, a launch on June 8th. And that was a special day for us because our dad was there with us. Mom got to go, um, and she was a riot. <laughs> she um, did an interview that day. Oh, with uh, Miles O'Brien, if yes. I recall correctly, yes. right? And um, so that was pretty fun to watch her interact with him. <laughs> she was pretty um, outspoken as our mom could be. but she I was, don't believe that. She was very proud of you, as we all were. And um, just being there as a family, mm -hmm. to be able to uh, watch this all together. Um, Bill was there filming it, and uh, my two kids were there, and uh, Kirby's family was there. Mom mm -hmm. was able to be part of it. So it was just really cool. And Uncle Jim, I want to... Fall off on that a little bit and say, when you were there, right, uh, with Dad not being able to be there since we'd lost Dad back in 1984, uh, how do you think he would have handled all that stuff that was going on? You have any idea? He'd been so proud. And it's okay to be emotional on these things. That's okay. Don't don't sweat it. We can edit that part out. <laughs> I never get emotional. <laughs> Your dad would have been so proud. And his chest would have been out there so far, <laughs> he wouldn't have had any buttons on his shirt because it all popped off. <laughs> and it was in Omaha when we were getting ready to leave. And uh, at curbside, they were loading our luggage on a cart to get it in. I mean, it was such a exciting time. Even the uh, Omaha TV stations <laughs> were taking pictures of the cart full of luggage. Oh, no kidding? Yeah. <laughs> That's right, I'd forgotten that. And uh, there was, uh, were there 10 of us that were going down? Uh, so you guys all flew together? Yeah, yes. we all flew down together. Yep. And uh, did we uh, land in St. Louis and then on down? But anyway, um, maybe as we were approaching or leaving St. Louis, I kind of forget, uh, there was an announcement by uh, one of the stewards or flight attendants, if you will, <clears throat> and said uh, the plane was full, and they said that uh, we have a special group on board today, or something of that sort, and she had a nice spiel, and the Clay Anderson uh, family, Nebraska's uh, only astronaut, and the whole family's on board, 
we're going down to attend to uh, be at the space launch and it was quite a, a, a ordeal and the whole plane just broke out in cheers <laughs> and clapping i mean it was it was really emotional yeah it was so how what about launch day can you can you tell us what happened on launch day i know there was a uh, my pastor from webster presbyterian Presbyterian Church, Woody Berry, and some folks with Susan uh, had set up a, a prayer ceremony prior to launch down there. And I don't know if, I, did you guys attend that? I think so. I think I think you did. We were in some big auditorium with uh, families, other people that were related to the... Oh, that was when you got the briefing. You got the launch briefing. Oh, with, okay. Uh, that was what mm-hmm. that was all about. Yeah. And well, tell us about that. What... I mean, it was a big auditorium, and uh, other family members of the astronauts involved were there. It was a large crowd. Uh, very exciting. I, I wish I'd have had a video on, yeah. and had a, a cell phone at that time to just take some <laughs> pictures that we could uh, uh, look back on and and reminisce about that. It was very exciting. One of the nice uh, things I thought was that tour of the Space Center we got on those tour buses, uh-huh. and uh, there were several, several tour buses, and just they drove slowly out around at the grounds, and the bus driver or the individual on board told us exactly what these buildings were all about, and um, it was just like, really? Did all the, you think back years later? Yeah. Did we really do that? <laughs> Do you remember the wave across the ditch, across the road? Oh, yeah. oh absolutely. Now, now Kirby, he took, he's got some uh, f- filming of that. Mm-hmm. You guys and and Sue, right, were over there on that side of the road, and we were on this side of the blacktop road, but we couldn't go over there because uh, they were concerned about uh, contamination and so forth and so on. And and the uh, and the astronauts were over there, and you could wave at them, and you could holler at them and say <laughs> hi, and you could hear. Yeah, you could hear, and all the other folks were on this side of the road. That and in the background was the uh, the uh, the shuttle itself, right behind us, right on the launch pad. Mm-hmm. And that, that what a neat picture that was, and just a wonderful setting. And I remember Lori had my daughter in her arms for a part of that. And it was a very difficult time for me because when uh, I was in Houston, I had to leave my home and my kids and my wife, and Sutton was too young to to do anything at launch. So I was not going to be able to see her again or to touch her again or hug her again until I got back from space. And uh, Cole, they had changed the rule. He was 10, and he was going to be allowed to come to the uh, family party at the beach house they call it and so I wasn't quite as worried about him but I remember when we were looking across the road and I saw Lori holding Sutton and you know that was so emotional for me because I started to cry because I just I wanted to run across that road and grab her and I saw Uncle Jim and I saw my brother and I saw Todd Ryer my roommate from Iowa State and and all those other people and and your kids and uh, Kirby's kids, and it was just an amazing time. It was. It was just 
again, as you look back, it's like kind of magic. Were we really there? <laughs> <laughs> and were you guys there? Um, I'm trying to remember the story. You know, when I, when I got on the shuttle, there's a telephone on the launch pad. And just before you go into the shuttle, you can use the telephone. You dial 8 to get an outside line. And I called Sue, and the first time I called Sue, I could hear her, but she couldn't hear me, and she was freaking out. And uh, I remember her crying and screaming, it's clear, I can't hear him, I can't hear him. And so I didn't know what to do, but I thought I should hang up and redial. That was the first thing I thought, but I'm in line, right, to go, I, I get my telephone time, but then I have to go into the shuttle, so I'm worried that I'm going to spend too much time doing all this but I decide I'm going to do it so I hung up the phone I picked it back up I hit eight I dialed Sue's number and fortunately we were able to to communicate this time so I could tell her I loved her one more time uh, before I went into space and how proud of I was of her and the kids and and um, and then I think were you guys with her when I made the phone call from space down to her telephone right yes. right before everybody was going to take off yes there was a there was one time where you called Sue and we had to pass the phone around yep. so that everybody could talk. And it was like, do we get everybody in <laughs> so they all can say something or do we cut somebody out because you only have a limited amount of time? And um, so it was pretty fun, but it was pretty chaotic trying to get everybody to say at least hi and um, talk to you. <laughs> one of the most emotional times for me Besides watching you go up, that was, it was so beautiful, scary, and it was like, oh my gosh, my little brother's up there. <laughs> but the time that we got to spend together at the family time at the beach house, when mom and Kirby and I and Cole and right. Sue were all there, and that was pretty special being able to hang with you for a little bit before it got real yeah it was too bad i couldn't invite more people but you're limited to four guests four family guests actually uh and when you go and i know when i launched the second time you and phil both got to go um but neither of my kids got to go because they had changed the rules again right um so now i want to dial back a little bit further and I want to go back to when we were growing up in Ashland. And I want <laughs> and I want you to kind of, Lori, let's start with you again and talk about uh, us as a family, as a brother and sister with Kirby thrown in there, the three of us growing up with mom and dad. Um, what about our family made this possible, do you think? We were always really close, even when we fought. <laughs> we fought? No, we never I, fought. I no, I don't, uh, no, we never I fought. I don't think we ever fought. And I always won. <laughs> yeah. Well, I don't think that's true. <laughs> but, you know, even even um, as little kids and then as we went through high, we were all close in age in high school. Right. And so we were um, involved in each other's activities, and, and we did a lot of stuff together. We, we did a lot of things in church. Right. Uh, you and Kirby did the Boy Scout stuff and and um, some sports things, and we had to go watch and support each other. And then in high school, 
you had the sports, you had the music, the theater, and all those things that we all participated in pretty much together while we were all there. Mm-hmm. Um, then when I went away to college, I wasn't around as much. But I think that the sense of family that we learned growing up, that we had to be there for each other. We wanted to be there for each other, and we supported each other through the good times and the bad times. There was a time where I had something bad happen in high school, and I was sitting out in the hallway crying, and one of your classmates went and got you and brought you outside (laughs) to the hallway to help me because I was just mortified over something that had taken place. And, you know, there... How many talks did we have about girls and situations and stuff like that? So we knew we could go to each other and we could um, talk. And it was, you we cared enough that we didn't repeat it. It was between us and it was, but we supported each other. Most of the time. Yeah. (laughs) Well, yeah, you're probably right. There was probably a few stories that got by. A lot of times today, many times today, we're lacking that family unit. Yeah, I think I mom think I agree. and dad under the same roof and supporting the kids. We need that. Yeah, we need that. We need. Mm-hmm. I think we need that, Uncle Jim, and I think we need uh, faith, more faith back in the families too. I think that would help mm-hmm. us a lot. But um, so, Uncle Jim, with uh, respect to dad as as a brother, uh, as you were growing up, how do you remember dad as a young kid and as a you know, going through high school and things. He was just, it uh, seemed like he was on the go quite often. He, I mean, <laughs> go, go, go. And involved involved in the community. Uh, and and uh, the Legion baseball program. And that supported uh, a lot of the kids in the community and obviously kept them from getting into mischief and so forth. And a great thank you, too, for the volunteer coaches that donated their time but your dad he was just sports minded and football nebraska football and <laughs> yeah, blue jays yeah. and uh he he was really involved in in the community and and again we probably need more people to be in those kind of positions and you know he served on the city council for a, a number mm-hmm. of years sounds like an uncle i know yeah, well, it's it's uh, so so did <laughs> it's so, enjoyable. So did that. So did that, Uncle Jim. In, did Dad's community involvement influence you? Because you are a huge uh, person involved in the community of Ashland these days, both via the city council and other opportunities. Oh, definitely that. Uh, and then way back uh, too, uh, my uncle Ed Anderson, my dad's brother, uh, he was a World War One veteran, and I believe in the seventies. He was mayor of Ashland. Yep. Yep. And then, uh, and then Jack got because Jack was involved in community activities, and I think that uh, certainly influenced me. That was a, that was a big. And then I got involved in uh, JCs. We had JC chapters back at that time, involved in community activities, and uh, then from there I just got involved in other community activities and the. Uh, Ashland Planning Commission, City Council, Chamber of Commerce, and uh, uh, the years fly by so quick. (laughs) It's just unbelievable. And, and, uh, but definitely uh, your dad, he he was a big influence on that. And getting involved in sports. And I did. I got involved in in the midget 
uh, baseball program mm-hmm. and, and the uh, Junior Legion and the Scouts. Uh, I was involved in the Cub Scouts and the Boy Scouts and the Explorer Scouts. And so all those activities were real positive activities. And thank goodness we probably, that I grew up in those times because today everybody's in such a big hurry to go here and there. And we got cell phones and we can't wait for this. We can't wait for that. We get upset in traffic. And, and so it was a, a, a little, it was a different time, but, and it was a good time. It was a good time to grow up and, and uh, we had a lot of fun. Your dad and I, we had a lot of fun together. We even went mushroom hunting. Oh, yeah. Out on the Bundys by Lenoma Beach. Mm-hmm. And came back, and your dad says, oh, my gosh, look, you got wood ticks crawling all over your jacket. And he's picking those wood ticks off. <laughs> and one time, I got to tell you about your dad, I was I spent a couple of days at Kearney uh, at the Holiday Inn. That was before they had the, the dome on the uh-huh. on the swimming pool. And I got terribly sunburned, terribly sunburned. <laughs> so I came back to, to Ashland. Your dad came over. My golly, what happened to you? <laughs> I was just all red and so forth. Oh, he was all, he says, do you have any vinegar? Well, I did have vinegar. So he, he dabbed me all over with a cloth and vinegar and it, Took the burnout, and it still works today. There you go. He so, must have learned that in the navy. He must have. <laughs> he must have gotten sunburned out on that that boat he was on that <laughs> ship. So, Lori, Uncle Jim mentioned having fun with Dad. So, I want you to can you tell us about the story when you uh, used X lax in, in high school? <laughs> look out! Look out! A bunch of us girls thought it would be funny to make some brownies and put some X lax in them. <laughs> And well, why would you do that? We fed them to the boys because boys will eat brownies and other cookies and things like that. And so we were at the skating rink. <laughs> and so we handed out the brownies and they all ate them. And boy, it did. But you just you just did that out of the goodness of your heart? You baked them brownies with X-Lax? Or, yeah, uh, we, well, it was kind of a prank. Uh-huh. <laughs> did it work? It did. <laughs> and Dad... Um, couldn't believe that I had part in that. Well, now let's let's uh, let's not uh, be be too uh, misleading here because uh, didn't you have an episode at the uh, police station? Well, that was from Halloween. Oh, and I was riding around in a pickup truck, the back of a pickup truck, with all my girlfriends, and Jack Watson was driving. Okay, and we were just driving around town, and somebody decided we should stop at. Harold's Grocery Store and get some toilet paper and eggs to hit a certain trailer. (laughs) And so we did. And I didn't know what was going on because I was just kind of sitting there. I went in with them, uh but I didn't, hadn't heard all the discussion. And I didn't know whose house we were hitting until after it was done. But um, we got rounded up. Well, it was a pickup. We were all in the same pickup. (laughs) So we got taken to the police station and everybody had to go inside and they talked to us and then they called all the parents to come get us. <laughs> and dad had to get um, out of a board meeting at the country club because he was <laughs> on the board there and come into town and get me and um, take me home. And I was the only one out of all the kids, girls that got picked up that didn't get to go back out that night. 
But that was mostly because I was afraid I'd get in trouble if I asked to go back out. And uh-huh. I didn't really want to. But I'm trying to behave and be nice. And so I'm picking up the house and I'm doing some dishes. And I asked Dad if he was hungry and wanted anything to eat because he missed supper. And he said he would have an egg sandwich. <laughs> So I knew I was okay with dad, and I figured mom was going to be a piece of cake. Well, mom was mad uh-huh. when she got home and found out about it, and I got grounded. Well, let the podcast audience know that between my brother and my sister and their uh, trials with the law, when, when Kirby, my brother, is on the podcast uh, at a later date, uh, we'll bring up the outhouse incident ah, with my brother. Good. So we'll make sure that we cover all of the nefarious activities <laughs> of my siblings. So I want to talk with you also about your time at in Ashland in the school system. Um, in with other podcast guests, we've we've discussed uh, favorite teachers, uh, who they were, why they were your favorite, uh, what they brought to the table that helps that helped to make you who you are, and also uh, perhaps if they were teachers that I had as well, made me who I am. So, Lori, let's start with you. And did you have some favorite teachers at Ashland uh, in your career growing through the school system, and who were they and why were they important to you? I don't think I had a teacher I didn't like, but some of my favorites were Betty Starnes, which was a close family friend later on. But she was one that saw talent in me in my piano playing and got me to um, play for the choruses and stuff at an early age, which was like seventh grade when I started. And I played all the way through high school and for special groups and things like that. And we had a a special bond where I could go talk to her about things I couldn't talk to about my mom, with my mom or I didn't want to. Mm-hmm. And so she was very special to all of us, I think, but... Um, really special to me. Um, some of the others that I remember um, was uh, Mrs. Marsh was my English teacher, and I loved to read, so she was able to foster that. I loved to write. She encouraged me in that area, and those are two things that are still very important to me today. Uh, the writing has been a big influence in my life as far as my work world. Um, and Mr. Niemeyer, who was always funny... Um, Always? <laughs> pretty much. <laughs> I sit next to him now on the city council. Is he always funny? He's a hoot. Okay. <laughs> um, right. You know, and um, Mr. Marsh, he was a math teacher, algebra, I think, and um, he was also one of those that encouraged you to work hard and, and learn things you didn't really think you wanted to learn that and to explain why they would be beneficial and just really get you to strive to be better. Mm -hmm. And those, I think, were the kind of qualities that made going to school in a small, smaller town um, important because you could have those relationships with your teachers. You could go talk to them when you had troubles or when you were struggling with something. Um, It seemed like it was easy to do back then. Mm -hmm. And... um, they came to all your activities, or a lot of them did, um, and supported you outside of their classroom. And I think that's another kind of family that we had that supported us and helped us to become the people that we are today. Lori, you guys, you played uh, at the Christian church. You played, did you play the organ? We all did. We all did. Oh, yeah. you all did. And Kirby? Yep. yep. Mm-hmm. 
So, uh, because back in the day when we were there, the ne- when somebody graduated and went away to college, the next kid in the church that could play next anything, per- next person up, yeah, <laughs> anything remotely to the organ and the piano, right, would take over on the organ. Yeah, and we had we had piano lessons with Virginia Comstock at the time, Virginia Gifford, who passed away several years ago, and she would teach us on the organ so that we could learn to do that as well as the piano. So we had kind of lessons on everything. We practiced on hymns and preludes and stuff like that. So then when the next person graduated, the person on the organ would go over to the piano. And we were so lucky because our mom volunteered, <laughs> all three of us. Our dad did too. <laughs> well, yeah. Volunteer was a good word for mom and dad. <laughs> so we didn't really have a choice, and we did it the whole time we were, I mean, I think I started when I was 12 playing yep. in church, and I'd played in Sunday school for the kids to sing songs and stuff like that. And so then I went over to the piano, and then when you came, when we went away to college, we came back and played when we were back home. Yeah, we did, uh, all three <clears throat> of us, When I remember starting playing for the, the little kids in their Sunday school classes. We would go in, mm-hmm. and we'd rotate around to the different classes, and they'd sing a few songs for 15, 20 minutes. And then as Lori and Lori uh, took... So you took Kevin Kevin Shale's place. Mm-hmm. So then Lori became the pianist, and I became the organist. And then Lori graduated, <laughs> and I moved over to the piano, and Kirby came in. And then Kirby moved over to the piano, and I'm not sure if anyone followed him. But it was nice for the church, right, because they had several years where they didn't have to worry about that sort of thing. And it's amazing what kind of an influence you have on little kids doing oh, yeah. that. Because I would come in from home. We didn't have a, a youth Sunday school that I remember that we went to and so I would come home come from home to play for the kids at a certain time of the morning and I would come in and if I had my coat on I would take it off and lay it on the bench next to me and I'd play the songs and then I'd go get ready for choir and um, I don't know when this was but later on one of the mothers of uh, one of the little kids in the class started piano lessons and when he started playing he had to go get his coat and put it down on the bench (laughs) next to him how cool and she said well what (laughs) are you doing that for well that's how Lori does it and you know (laughs) to to, to understand that those kids were watching me sure you know and and paying attention to what I did so the the opportunity that I didn't even understand at the time of being a role model was very special as well. And so that makes you feel good. Mm-hmm. Certainly does, and and it's <laughs> and think about how important it, it is. Uh, even today, if I, as an astronaut, or my sister as a social worker, which is what she does for her career, and uh, and a pianist can do those things, you never know who you're influencing, uh, good or bad, right? And today it's difficult. Right? There's a lot of <laughs> negative influences out there, and. And a lot of ways to get at that. So, Uncle Jim, when you dial this back now, you're 80 years old. Really? I think so. I think that's what I read in the newspaper, the Ashland Gazette. But I still drink Ovaltine. <laughs> there you go. <laughs> so I want you to tell us about, did you have a favorite teacher at Ashland Greenwood Schools? You know, uh, back, uh, I just, uh, I enjoyed all the teachers. And, you know, you think back. You could have been a, a a better student, like we all digress and think if I had done <laughs> studied a little bit more and did this and did that. I I liked all the teachers really, um, and I respected them. I didn't have 
I didn't want any problems from any of them. So um, I might mention, uh, well, our, our superintendent back there was uh, John Shimanek, uh and he was a, a, a fair guy. But he was he was business. He he was fair with you. There was no problem there. Lester Harvey was our principal, mm. and um, he was a strict fella. But again, very fair. And I didn't. Uh, if the study hall was a little noisy, and he'd come in that back door and let out <laughs> a big holler, you could hear a pin drop. <laughs> but I didn't. I, I got along with him. He and and. Each of our class reunions, we have mentioned Mr. Harvey and over the years where he has gone and so forth. And he, maybe 10 years ago, uh, he ended up, well, 10 years ago, he probably passed away and was involved in, in Council Bluffs. He's involved with the Legion Club um, kids' activities. Yes, yes. He was a very, very fair guy. And um, we had uh, two of... Uh, uh, Bob Rakes was our basketball coach and teacher. Uh, Fred Arnold was a uh, I remember football. that name. <laughs> Fred Arnold was yeah. very a very good guy. He taught social studies, as I recall, and so forth. And uh, the teachers were all I I admired them. Well, I think it's important as we uh, come to the end here that we're thinking about and we're talking about things that go back to the original theme that we were aiming for in the beginning, which was. How do you build someone that eventually became an astronaut from a small town in Ashland, Nebraska? And it sounds to me like a lot of those things come from the community, the family, the school district, and the ability for, uh, for all of us to have been influenced by uh, honesty, integrity, uh, fairness, but also discipline. Uh, I don't. I don't key, know. A key is yeah. Discipline is key. Fairness is key. Fair discipline, I think, is even a bigger key, mm-hmm. right? And right. in today's world, there's a lot of uh, discontinuity about how fair one person is to the next. But well, I think in go ahead. And also that we have to put in hard work. Absolutely. And. That was something that we always understood. We had chores from an early time. We had to shift who was doing the dishes what night because of an activity or whatever. I had garbage disposal. Dude. Yeah. Since we didn't have a garbage disposal, <laughs> I carried it out to the alley and put it in the big dumpster. <laughs> but, you know, we had expectations uh, that we had to work. And, and we knew that at school that we had to put in hard work we had for whatever we wanted to accomplish. And, and I think those were instilled early on so that we could um, take those skills with us as we moved forward in our lives. When I, back in high school days, my friends, we were happy. We would go out and help the farmers bale hay. <laughs> and you, you yeah. guys, you and Clay, or Cur- Clay and Kirby, we were happy to go out and and have a job and make some money. Right, right. And it was and it was hard work. It was, you yeah. know. And I know in our family we weren't allowed to quit anything. No. <laughs> you know, you'd sit down at the piano and and 
mom would say, hey, you got to practice piano. I don't want to practice. You know, all my buddies are out playing football in the, in the yard. I don't, why do I got to practice? You said you wanted to play the piano, didn't you? Uh, yeah. Well, then if you're going to play the piano, we're going to pay for lessons, and you're going to practice. I don't want to. Yes, you do. So that was instilled in us as well. We were not mm-hmm. allowed to quit. Uh, if we committed to an event or to an activity or to a, a group, we were taught and led to, to finish that uh, commitment. And we had to f- finish it in the way that we were raised, which was to the best of our ability with the, the best effort we could give. You know, there was no half-assing anything, uh, as I remember in our family, in, in any event that we were in, in the church, in the school, in the community. Uh, that's how we rolled. And uh, I think that's why... I love Ashland and I love Nebraska so much is because of that work ethic, that community, that sense of family that brought me for sure to the pinnacle of launching in outer space. So plus you then that brings up when you were at, uh, in the, uh, not the astronaut program yet, but you were down at the Johnson space center working, mm-hmm. but you wanted to be in this, training astronaut training program which you were accepted in 98 1998 but down here you're getting all kinds of experiences and so forth but you wanted to be on this level up here so as i recall you applied every year every year for 15 years (laughs) yeah (laughs) A, a, a lot of folks would after one rejection we'd say okay We'll go down on the corner and sell <laughs> apples and pencils. <laughs> <Yeah>. <laughs> but you had that stick to it. And you were, I think you'll get a little discouraged about year 14, maybe. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. But, but it paid off. That good work ethic mm-hmm. paid off. And perseverance and, and, sticking, and support. sticking with it. And yeah. support. Yeah. I had a lot of support from family and and from my wife and and uh that was all very important to sustain the willingness to keep going after it so um thank you Lori and uncle jim for being with us today and and i love you both and it's been a a, a wonderful experience you know what clay I just quickly it'd be it would be neat if at, at some point in time if you guys were back together and uh on a Sunday could be a little special music at the First Christian Church. Yeah. <laughs> I'm okay. sure we can make that happen. We could dust off the organ. <laughs> Do you still have an organ? Yeah, it's up on the stage. Okay. And uh, now that's uh, it's the piano, uh, Patty Schofield is an excellent pianist. But that organ is still up there, and maybe over the years there's been some, well, you know, do we really need it? Maybe we ought to get rid of it. no. You know, Oregon, it could still come back, and somebody could come along, and it would be nice with piano music over here and somebody on the organ playing a little. I think that'd be great. <laughs> well, we'll see if we can get that done for you, Uncle Jim. Okay. And the First Christian Church in Ashland, Nebraska. So, Yeah, that Thanks. would be great. Thanks for having us. Oh, I you love bet. you. Love you pleasure. guys. Love and you, Clay. Maybe shoot. Clay and Lori. Maybe we'll have to have you back again. Be happy. I'll check my schedule book and, <laughs> and uh, 
and it'd be a pleasure to to do this again. Well, we love you. Thank you. A Huda Media Production.